On today's episode of the podcast, things are going to be extremely scary and they're going to make way for some iconic horror performances in the very own Twin Picks recording studio. We are going to go around the table and each person is going to do their most guttural, fearful <laughs> uh, reaction of, of being spooked. Okay, you have to be full of fear, really, really scared, but you can't scream. You can't go above a desk, like a big decibel. Of, I don't know how sound works. <laughs> Can you use your sound knowledge to say like we how loud we can't be, Anthony? Well, like compare you, it to something else. Like what do you want it to not be? Yeah, so what I'm than? saying is it's a kind of you've seen something so scary that like the sound can't even escape. Like okay. it's mm, but it okay. still needs to be audible that like our audience can hear it. All right. So we're saying I mean? like yeah. below 40 decibels. Yes. Thank you. There I'm you setting go. that as a exactly. hard benchmark. Okay. Would you guys like me to start or do you guys want to start? I'd like you to start. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna start. Okay, ready? <laughs> that's okay, great. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Liza. <laughs> I really liked that. That was good. Thank you. That was good. How are you going to bring it home? That was a real like sound bite. Yeah, <laughs> you could use that. It's like as a second like ringtone or something. Exactly. Well, let's see how the sound man himself does. <laughs> what I are you saying that? I, I almost got away with it and then I made myself laugh. I thought it was going to go somewhere else, but it was just an E. All I could see was like a lowercase E. Just like continue. Stunning. Yeah. Welcome to Twin Peaks. I'm Noah Jansen. I'm Elijah Jansen. Woo woo woo. Welcome to Twin Peaks. Gosh, I love movies. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which myself, Eliza and Anthony are now recording, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Twin Picks, the family film podcast, where we chat about two films that have some sort of weird little tenuous connection, and which one does its job better. But today... We are talking about our fave genre of them all. We have a special little app that we've been talking about doing for a while. I'm really excited for because we love our horror films, don't we? Yes, I'm scared. I'm so (laughs) spooked. I'm really excited. We're talking about our favourite horror performances today or just horror performances that really stick out to us. How did this come up that we were like, oh, we want to set aside a time to talk about this? Yeah, I think I guess it's just like a part of horror that like maybe doesn't necessarily get talked about as much or like in a format where you're just being like, okay, like if horror is a vessel for like being scared, it, that's a very like broad thing to mm. say about like a wonderful genre that can be so many different if things. But like too scare, yeah, to be else. <laughs> to be scary, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But the performances within horror, like as with anything that exists on the fringes, like you will generally get the most interesting products. And like, I think you can get some really broad, awesome, great performances out of horror and like putting together my list. It was very fun. Like, thinking about the different kinds of performances that I wanted to chat about. Like yeah. all of these ones I have are very different, like in lots of different ways. Yeah. Lovely. I remember this coming up a little bit when we talked about our Oscars Schmoskers special yeah. episode thing. Um, just saying like what kind of movies always get celebrated or get the most acclaim for their acting or like what we see is very acting-y acting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely like after that discussion, <laughs> I definitely feel like that's, like among the least interesting movies to watch and the ones that we would definitely go for as the most fun, most interesting, like even if it's super formulaic, you know you're going to have a good time, is horror. And 
it's such a particular type of acting. Like, you know, it's not one thing, but it like gives birth to so many interesting kinds of roles and performances. Exactly, exactly. Um, myself and Anthony, just this week, we were working on a mm. wonderful short film from our very dear friend Jack Bell, who's also a listener of the pod if he's listening at home. Hi. And we'll have him on at some point as well <laughs> for some films actually that have what really good performances like as well. What was the set like for the genre? Like do you think it being a horror movie makes people be like, more more fun and less tense and spooky and stuff. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I what I found quite fun is like the crew was kind of made up of some people who like love horror and are really familiar with horror, and then other people who are like, oh my god, this is so like for all of us, it's very fun to mm. be in the room making horror and seeing gore and effects and stuff. But like mm. for some people particularly, like you do a shot and like. I, I've always done this, Liz, don't I? Like when shit is happening on screen or in the room, I like to look at other people as they're watching it because <laughs> I find it really fun like sharing it with people. Like I would just oh. look down the line at everyone behind the camera and, and everyone's like, mouth would be dropped and like everyone would be like, oh, like you could tell like Gracie, like, uh, like the DOP, like holding the camera, like would be like, trying to cover a mouth, like trying to like squint away. He just doesn't want to look even That's though she's so supposed fun. to be like filming the shot, you know. Um, but, I, yeah, in terms of horror performances, I had lots of really interesting chats with our excellent cast mm. about like how do you be, especially in the style of Jack's film is very kind of we constantly reference like Evil Dead and Ooh. like Brain Dead, that kind of splatstick style mm. um, where it's like how do you be like truthful within that whilst <laughs> like doing the heightened nature of its service of like being this possessed like manic like rabid creature thing <laughs> but equally like that this characters actually had quite but no sweet... one who's crazy and rabid thinks they're crazy and rabid they, hey, they're just being normal <laughs> they're just living it that's it yeah and that the characters in his story especially like actually connect like Aww. had interesting connections and like dynamics with each other that like they had to do well. No. Mm. Yeah. Did you find that on set as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, cause you, when you're on set and you have to watch the same thing happen like eight times <laughs> so that you get the right take and stuff. Yeah. yeah it stops being like, it stops being um, horror. And also there's some like, you know, everyone knows this and we've all talked about this before and stuff, but there's so much that like, contributes to things actually being scary based off like mm. post-production and like the sound yeah. design and the score and that sort of thing. So like seeing all of that stuff without it happening and it's like raw mm. performance mm-hmm. form is also very, it has a lot of like potential. Like it could, I could mm, see so many things when that film goes into the edit, I could see it like becoming quite campy or I could see it being like very serious mm. and like straight down the line and stuff. Totally, and it's, it's, yeah. Very interesting seeing those like performances and wondering sort yeah. of how they're going to be framed. And does that give you more of an appreciation when you watch like a complete horror movie? Because you're like, oh damn, this could oh, have looked yeah. so truly, fake. yeah, <laughs> truly nothing like working on a film set to make you look at a film and be like, wow, oh, that every so single cool. one of these shots took like hours and hours oh. of prep, and then like every little cutaway, you're like, that's a completely different like setup. Of course, that's yeah. like the nature of making movies. But as like we've all kind of had like the more you do it or the more you like think about it, the more you're like, yeah, it's such a beautiful medium because it's so much waiting and then like absolute high intensity, 100% performance and like every single person fulfilling their role at maximum capacity Mm. in like a 20, 30 second window and then chills again. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. So, so interesting. And definitely in the performance lens, I would get to set and like, 8am and be like half asleep because that's real like very fucking early for me it's when everyone else in the world normally get up (laughs) yeah like that's just my life um uh and you'd see the actors like getting like gross fake sticky blood painted on their face that's about to be on their body all day and Mm. i'm like that sucks truly some of the performances we have on this list i'm like the commitment to give what you gave to Mm. something that takes months like weeks and months to make Yeah, totally. What a medium and what a genre. Absolutely. Gotta love it. So everyone listening, I don't think the film itself actually has its own dedicated socials, but you should go and follow Jack Bell on social media. Absolutely. At Uncle Gravy on Instagram. That's his handle. knew that. Like what a memorable name. Yeah. He is, yeah. He's the best. And he's... um, I believe his uh, previous work is going to be at 
Monster Fest in mm. October as well. October or November? I can't remember when it is. But we'll we'll keep folks posted about that as well because we might have something there as well this year. We may oh have God. it next year. <laughs> Soft commitments see. only. Indeed. Really putting ourselves out there with that one. But we will see. Um, Can we kick off before we start talking about good horror movie performances? Yeah, of course. I wanted to ask, I don't know what, I haven't thought of this, but are there bad horror movie performances that stick out to you where you're like, they fucked up the horror of that for me? Because we talked about Frozen last week, a horror movie mm. that was pretty mediocre and none of us liked the <laughs> lead two guys in it. Oh, that's such a good question. And I really want to think of something killer. Because again, it's a genre that like lends itself to the reason. Another reason I love horror is like, it's you're always, you're never going to regret watching a horror film because even when it's messy, there's stuff to entertain you. Like it's mm. the best, a bad drama. You'll like, still dra- see someone get smushed. Yeah, head a bad drama. Something. You're it's just like, like disappointing. Like like a bad horror film. You're like, ha ha, like that's bad. <laughs> um, does anything stick out to you? I'm trying to think what are horror films I really dislike. It's more like likability, I guess, with Frozen. Like they were him snapping his leg. That was pretty believable, I guess. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, this is disappointing. I'll get back to you with bad horror performances. It's such a good question. I love. (laughs) Hmm. Do you have have any like horror film? Do you have any horror performances that you're going to whip out as well, Anthony? I don't know. Like, yeah, not many. I haven't. I've seen so few horror films in my time that I feel like my list is constrained by what I've actually consumed rather than by my taste. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I might have something to contribute, but um, we'll Interesting. See. Well, you know what? Let's kick off the list with a performance that some, even at the time, called a bad horror performance. But the oh very gosh, reason it's one it of the all-timers is because it's so, like, absurdist and huge and incredible that, like... If you think this is bad, you are dumb you and are have bad, bad taste. Okay. And you are the real horror. <laughs> Let's kick it off. All right, so the first thing on my list of best horror performances I want to talk about, this isn't like ordered in any way. I just try to keep it nice and varied, I guess. This is a performance that kind of captures, well, I don't know, we talked about like how our list like could have, there are a lot of like traditional obvious kind of things that would be on a best horror performances list. And while this list isn't going to exclude the more like obvious ones, I'm definitely excited mostly to talk about ones that you don't say talked about as as much. Nice. And this is one that I feel like has so like gets a lot more attention these days than it necessarily used to. I used to just see one bit of this performance as a meme a lot. Uh, and I'm of course talking about Isabel Ajani as Anna in Possession. Mm. Possession is a film that is absolutely bizarre. It's so like absurdist and crazy. And this performance in a way is like the definition of an incredible like horror performance. It's like so brave and like wild. And it's like the second you start watching this movie, you'd instantly just like know that this is not conforming to like a regular performance style at all. Especially because she's acting opposite Sam, Sam Neill, Neil, who's who like a sweet little normie. Is a normie, <laughs> exactly. Aussie New Zealand guy. Absolutely. So this is a performance. So she is essentially playing um, a woman who her, her husband, Sam Neill, who's like a spy, an international spy, <laughs> comes back. He, she wants a divorce. She's having an affair. And um, as the title suggests, she is clearly there's some other supernatural forces at work here. And they manifest in the most interesting way and the sign of a great film is that I like my opinions on it change literally when I think about it like I need to rewatch this film Mm. I've watched it a few times but like literally I'm always due for a rewatch I recommend it to people all the time or like people will be like oh do you know what this is from I just like it's one that we're endlessly talking about because it's that exciting 
Yeah. What are your thoughts on possession? We've never really talked about it's that before. It's on my list. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I thought it would be. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's so great. The meme moment you're talking yeah, yeah. about <laughs> is, is her like flipping out in the subway, like spilling milk on herself and like She has like a grocery bag full of groceries and she's just like. It's like one of the best freak outs. It's an awful <laughs> time. It's like the best freak out of all time. She's just like flinging this bag of groceries around, smacking it into a wall. Ah. <laughs> and it's such an interesting performance, yeah. especially because the nature of the movie lets you relay a kind of, I think like whatever you want onto her manicness or like mm. her madness. Like she's yes, obviously. She's very frustrating. Like she's yeah. a character you're led to dislike, even hate, maybe, because like she just will not explain herself to her husband and is really needlessly cruel often. Like I always remember a scene where she's like tormenting her ballet students and she's like, turn out your leg or whatever. Mm. And they're like crying and like you're led to be really like infuriated with her and be like, just what is your problem, problem lady? Literally. And then they have her playing a doppelganger as well. Yeah. It's like nice and prim and boring and it makes you realise how much work she's doing in the main role. Yeah, fucking exactly. But ah. yeah, and and in that like... Yeah, I don't know. In that exact way, it just makes me think she. I don't know. I'm completely losing my mind. My mind with this one, like, <laughs> like her. Exactly you like know what her role. I she, thought you were going to bring up as yeah, what? Because I have said, said it's cause bad. Because pe- people like have people thought it was bad. As if I feel like at the time it was like. I feel like I grew up incredible. seeing that scene in memes of like, <gasps> oh, like of like overacting, overacting and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I think this like it's interesting. interesting to speak to. So that's the thing I was going to say. Like. I, in in terms of like viewing something and relaying uh, your own like ideas in your own life that you find interesting or that you see talked about a lot, like I just think about is this like a, uh, all I see is a conversation about the hysterical woman, like the idea yes. of just being like, oh, you're such a problem woman. Like you can't explain yourself. You're just clearly losing your mind. You're a mm. problem to everyone around you. And then you're, but then also it being clearly tied to your husband being like, you were supposed to be like this dutiful, normal thing in my life. Like you were mm. supposed to. I think the film is a bit too absurdist for that. But all I see is the, the interesting lens of like, what do you do with a woman that doesn't really fit into her place? Or yeah. like, and she still has a kid to look after and stuff. Yeah. And in- something that I was certain was going to be the performance you're talking about yeah. is Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Oh, I have that as well. Thing, yeah, hey? I have that on the like, list as well. Yeah, her performance was so shit on when it started and people were like, oh, but Stephen King hated her in the role of like Wendy Torrance so saying interesting. like, oh, she's so weak. She doesn't have any like backbone, especially compared to like the villain main character, Jack Nicholson or whatever. Like she sucks. And now I feel like it's getting really reappraised. Like Jordan Peele has said it's like one of his favourite I adore it. Well, should we talk about those people on yeah, my list as well is Jack Torrance and Wendy Torrance. Mm, okay. Because um, I find, yeah, I, I find it really interesting that people say, oh, she's so weak. And I'm like, mm. what's so interesting about what that character? What would you do in that situation? Is- I would be fucking flailing around with a knife in my hands, running around the hallways too. Exactly. And it's the nature of being like, you know, a thing that we obviously, well, uh, not necessarily criticize it for, but the big controversy with The Shining being it's Stephen King's least favorite adaptation of his books. It isn't what the book he wrote. Reading the book, I understand why he feels that way because the book and you have her internal monologue in the book. Exactly, like, you know, she is a thinking person. <laughs> absolutely, and it's and it's absolutely about alcoholism and about a toxic, abusive relationship and about how this environment isn't creating this evil within Jack. It's just like uh, making it rise to the surface. It's just giving it space. Um, And Kubrick is an incredible filmmaker whose films are much more, I feel like, interested in like very elemental, like existential ideas as opposed Mm. necessarily to like character. Like as as opposed, I don't know, I always feel like the effects of the world and the atmosphere are what you feel working on the characters more than them kind of affecting each other. Yeah, and they don't that, seem to have that much of an internal world. Exactly. Like Wendy does seem kind of empty a bit. Which, but again, what makes that performance so great is if like the film is saying what is a person that like allows themselves to be in this marriage with this kind of man that's so broken down and when do people in domestic abuse situations leave? Or like when do they have the moment where they have to stand up for themselves? Like 
I don't think it really serves this story to have a woman who's like, no, when the time comes, I will know what to do. Mm. She is a woman who at every moment has been like, oh my fucking God, what do I do? I don't, I'm not the kind yeah. of person. I just have to do what's best for Danny. I'm not, exactly. I'm not the kind of person that makes these calls. Like I've always not been a follower, but like she's a quiet, mild-mannered person. She's asked by um, the therapist, or I can't remember or who it is, being like, oh, your your son broke his arm a few mm. years ago. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, Jack like grabbed his arm. but She's like, you know, like any parent does a million times a day. And she's excusing her husband. Like she's not a very, it's, it's about how long does it take until she gets out. But even then she lets it get to the point where he's trying to kill them before she legs it. But yeah. I've and- never put that together that it's like Isabella Gianni doing that. Which I, I haven't seen people criticize that performance. I feel like it's very loved. There you go. Interesting, yeah. But yeah. I'm sure I, I, I definitely shining. don't see it now. But I feel like uh, my first mm. knowledge before I knew Possession was like overacting and like seeing that <laughs> clip from it. And I didn't know the movie at that time. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good one. Totally. I want to bring up an example of overacting that I love. And I think <laughs> everyone loves. It's like a very beloved performance. Bruce mm. Campbell in Evil Dead. Oh, Where it's yeah. like he... And as a rare horror hero as well, doesn't happen yeah. a lot. As like a hero, not even just like a survivor, like a hero kind of role, you know what I mean? Yeah, and kind of like final girl, but guy and very yeah. macho, yeah. And very like stupid and rubbery and like, it's yeah. pretty much like clowning. Like it's not, it's not like a reactionary, I'm not reactionary isn't the right word, but like a lot of the great horror performances we're going to talk about are probably, they're the thing that makes the scariness seem real because of their mm. scared reaction. Mm. In this, he does that, but also like keeps it super funny and mm. entertaining. I can't Absolutely. think of any other examples of the of, that. of the trilogy. Where do you feel? Because it's it's a one of those um, franchises that you can kind of learn a lot about a person by how they feel about each entry. Yeah. Like with e- the first Evil Dead, it really is. He's the last survivor yeah, of a group of boring. teens. He's just like a yeah, and then the the, the second guy. one establishes him as like it's really the midway between the two of being like we're still firmly in horror, we're really leaning into like gore as what 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 I love about Evil Dead and that whole subgenre of splat stick in general is the idea of like the macabre of being like what is scarier than your body just like being treated as like sacks of meat like you're just like you are just flesh and bone and like you don't matter and as you've said to me before the very true thing that I reflected on with Jack's film actually the the scary idea of like the most traumatic evil thing happening to you and then the evil just like laughing in your face yeah and he's the victim he ashes the epitome of that and he the demons at the are like enjoying fucking with him They're yeah like, <laughs> they love it yeah and then army of darkness <laughs> is more a like adventure film like horror it still has a lot of those same elements but that third one really plays into the idea of him as like a cult character mm. who has like quippy catch line like catchphrases and like always knows the cool thing to and say has more and control and it's like we're gonna go here and do this to defeat the evil yeah dead or yeah yeah exactly yeah nah i think i like the second one more where it's just I think stuff so too. happening to him and him yeah. having a funny reaction yeah especially it. because it's that thing in great horror of like um big trouble in little china has a great one of this as well of the thing of like a character really talking themselves up and then like being like uh, like you know having their hero moment even like their hero shot and then like 20 seconds later they're like slipping over and like banging their head and like nice. <laughs> it's like ah yes that's all like self-inflation whereas usually movies justify the characters having that beat you know mm. usually movies are like no yeah they are this big hero that's like super like knows what they're doing it's like ash actually is just like ego <laughs> like which is what's so good yeah. and what the tv show really like ramps up to 11, you know. I'd love to get mm. back to Jack Torrance at some yeah, point. Yeah, sorry. But no, 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 it's, it's so fine. I actually was thinking um, uh, a good one to leap off with, like an iconic actor playing a role that they've kind of grown up with, which is a great thing you get with horror. I want to point out one that for that lens isn't appreciated enough, for the lens of being like an actor who knows the role so firmly that as they grew up with it in other films, they it makes the performance even richer, Mm. is Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, Mm. whose performance in Psycho 2 deserves just as much appreciation as his performance in the first Psycho. Psycho is one of my big, big early day film memories. I remember watching it at Grandma and Grandpa's house 
Just and being, being like, oh my so god, we're watching scared. the adult horror. Yeah. Black and white. And I even oh. remember being like, as a kid, you're like so excited that you're enjoying something like that so much. Like I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like this kind of thing. Like at that age, I was really yeah. watching like spy movies a lot and like a lot of action and stuff. And I remember being blown away by it and just finding him so scary. The idea of like a mild-mannered, very sensitive thing hiding this like extreme, like darkness like this huge Mm. evil that lives under the surface like the most effective part of it being you never like empathize with him but then like it's not being like oh there's something under the surface there that I'm scared of it's almost like a great script you always knew what the ending was going to be. You just didn't want to admit it to yourself. You're like and that's, constantly like, oh, I can't be him though. Yeah, because you love him because he's so sweet. I think no. you do empathise with him though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you are like, no, like I, I think until you know yeah. what happens, you're like, no, I don't want you to. And then Psycho 2, which we love, is so good. Yeah. It's him. You're truly like, yes, he's recovered. He's recovered. He's like actually done the work and now he's like grinding away at this diner cooking burgers for like no money at all. Like... You want him to succeed well, and you empathise with him again. <laughs> exactly. But again, it's but that whole film, like it plays Of it. working backwards to be like tricky, tricking you back into being like, you saw a psycho. Like you're it, not watching Psycho exactly. 2 if you haven't seen Psycho. It works right to the end you of You know psycho he has two. this in him. Because the first psycho doesn't okay. play that for that long. It's just like you have the conversation with Marion um in the head o- in like the front office. Mm-hmm. And then Wait, you mean making him sweet and likable and stuff? Or knowing that he's... Oh, no, you don't know he's a killer, I guess, but you know that he covers up her murder. Yeah. Which makes you be like, okay, obviously you're associated Have you heard about way. the shot that, like, is meant to signal that transition from being, like, we're on Norman's side to we see him as, like... Oh, interesting, no. There's, um, it's a bit where the cop is, um, like, at the front desk and he's like, this is weird that you say you've never heard of her before because, like, look, in the ledger it has her name. And Hitchcock, Hitchcock has the camera like under his chin and he like turns weirdly to look at the ledger and you can see like he's lit really strangely where his face looks like a really flat like white mask, like the black and white like really brings it out. And it's like for a second you're like, oh, he's still so cute. Like he's such a handsome little guy. But like you sort of see him from like a weird angle where we don't normally see people and it's like you are out of him for a while. Oh. You're like, oh, I'm not staring at him as if I'm talking to him. Like I'm seeing him like this weird mask. Like Objectively, he is, the like, mask he, he wears. lying now Literally. and you sort of subconsciously put it together. Oh, that's so good. Oh, yeah. There's a really great documentary about the I making seen of. that where it's um, like the sh- I, shower scene itself. It's, yeah, what's it, it's like 78, 53. I'm, I'm really sorry, I can't remember. But the title of the movie <laughs> is the amount of shots and cuts in the shower scene. And it's just a movie about the shower scene, like breaking it down infinitesimally. Don't you infinitesimally. reckon? Infinitesimally. <laughs> is that a word? Yeah. Inf- yeah. I'm yeah. not going to try I rocked it. Else, Whatever it is, I rocked it. Don't you reckon so. Andrew Garfield looks so much like him? Yeah, so true. Actually, yeah. um, did you know um, Anthony Perkins' son is a really good horror yeah, filmmaker? Yeah, yeah, Oz Perkins. He's also Oz illegally Perkins. blonde. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Wow. And apparently um, there's a really good interview with him on uh with him on postmortem with Mick mm. Garris, where he talks about being like, yeah, it's so interesting when you're like succeeding in a career that you just feel like isn't yours. Like I was succeeding as an actor mm. and just knowing that I didn't, wasn't interested in the artistry of it enough. And now you can see why. Cause like his films are so different to his acting. They're so like yeah. silent and still and dark and just like, they have so much like yeah, I'm into air his movies. around them. I like them too. I loved Gretel and Hansel. I have not no seen it. No one talks about Gretel and Hansel. <laughs> if that movie had a definition of it, if that movie had an A24 logo slapped on it, people, people would, would love it. People would freak out Do you want to cover your thoughts on Jack Torrance I at do. All? Yeah. I wanna, yeah. So we love Anthony Perkins' astounding performance. You should check out Psycho 2 if you haven't because it's just as good. Um, it's not just as good. I don't know why I said that. It's really good. It's really, really good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so Jack Torrance... Oh, I, it's probably my favorite Jack <laughs> Nicholson get, role. Oh, really? I really, I want to get a tattoo yeah. of, it's my favorite, <laughs> my favorite shot in horror is Wendy and, um, you like The Shining more than me. Well, how did we not mention? <laughs> you like The Shining, right? <laughs> how did we not mention that you won hard quiz Woo-hoo! on the ABC on the topic of The Shining? The Shining. That is what you want for. Talk to us a little bit about oh. how you feel to be the victor of hard quiz it's for great. that. It's great. 
It was good. I think I did. I was clever. You like, kind of feel guilty about your win though, right? Yeah, I think my yeah. questions were way easier than my opponent whose questions were all about roller coasters. Which is <laughs> such a broad topic because yours wasn't even about the book as well. It was I know, just but they about made me the movie. read the book. Like I said, oh, I can cover the book and the, sh- and the movie and the TV series and the blah, blah, blah. And they were mm. like, yes, you should do as much research as possible. And then they just asked about the movie. So Yeah, random. Yeah. Yeah, the... Um, the God, the whole Shining saga is actually like so interesting. The idea that Stephen King hated it so much, mm. like the movie so much that I he think produced. You liked the, movie, the book more than um, I did. I like. I definitely like the movie more, but it's interesting because the things the book talks about are like the definition. It's why I love Stephen King so much. The definition yeah. of what horror is to me, which is this like reflection of real world horrors mm. in um, like the mundane in, horror, in the mundane yeah. in yeah the mundane of stuff. Um, and to, honestly, like, it's why I think King's opinion of the movie is too harsh because, yes, there's an air and space around things in a Kubrick movie where, like, characters aren't establishing themes and ideas as much necessarily. It exists on the expressions of the characters instead in such a terrifying way. I don't know mm. if I finished saying my favourite shot in, yes. in all of horror is <laughs> Wendy and Danny playing outside in the snow and it's just a slow, slow zoom close-up of Jack's face, completely stagnant, staring out the window, wearing a turtleneck, just being just clearly envisioning like murdering them viciously. Like you just, (laughs) it's the most interesting face and I just find that entire (laughs) performance so scary. The idea of being stuck in a giant hotel with this man who's supposed to love you and supposed to respect you both. And then you're literally like at any moment terrified of what he's going to do. You never know Mm. what he's going to do next. And again, I, I think I understand the criticism of it not being a very faithful adaptation, but it's such an internal film. Like it's all about what's going on behind his eyes. It's all about what choices are people even like thinking of making like Mm. I find it utterly terrifying and as someone very interested about like the way we show violent men in horror Mm. it's just it's the and it's your fave Jack Nicholson it's the top dog for me of it yeah absolutely it's the absolute top dog of that for me I just think it's so scary it's funny that it's like so Jack Nicholson as well like it's really his little mannerisms and stuff and like totally the corniness kind of a lot of his lines like when he's talking with the bartender and stuff like he has like a really cheesy way of speaking and even like Mm. the R's how he's like here's Johnny and stuff like it's so American and so like Oh, exactly. There's something almost cartoonish about it, which is like a big Jack Nicholson thing that he's so expressive and like really acts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So true. All right. What's your next one? Ooh. Let me check. Who will I bring up next? Because I don't want to. I'm the same. I got, I got so many good ones. I got to have a think about One that I know you're going to say you love as well. I have it in a little mini category of performances where it's like the person being the monster and they have to do like quite a big. Yeah. <laughs> Extra gooey performance. Yeah. And the ones I had down, this is like kind of obvious, but Ooh. Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård is Pennywise. Yeah. He kills it. It's to really the point impressive. where everyone's like, oh, like that was good CGI. It's like a lot of it it's is me. not. It's, <laughs> it's just perfect casting. It's a definition of perfect casting. Yeah. yeah. Willem Dafoe in Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah. He's great one. So good. And also the Bruce Campbell thing of like he's being funny and scary at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, very and true. Brad Dourif in Exorcist Three. I have Brad yeah, Dourif in Exorcist Three. <laughs> that's my. That's what I'm trying to. That's what the fact I was trying to find before recording. I was essentially ah. saying to Liza, "There's a fact I'm really trying to find about um, Brad Dourif." Do I? Do you yes, care if I away. jump in and, and cut you <laughs> that's off? What Sorry, it's really rude. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm obsessed with Brad Dourif as the nature of being like. Some actors obviously are incredible and are always heralded as such because. Like everyone knows them and sees them and everything. And then there are some actors that are so amazing that they're always, you know, the character actor thing of being like, you're so constantly the MVP supporting player in something. Uh, Brad Dourif is the voice of Chucky as well, which is an iconic performance in itself. He's He's in Lord of the Rings and you like don't even remember it. Exactly. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He's a real standout of that. He's Billy, who like the young uh, man who kills himself. Um, And in Exorcist 3... He's in it for like 15 to 20 minutes at the end of the film. St- 
steals the film like so so like harrowing and like fragile and the most incredible thing about it is the performance you're seeing in that film is the second time he filmed that filmed the entire performance went home got called saying because the nature of what he's doing is that he's kind of flipping between I honestly find it so hard to remember what that film's about like <laughs> Some people love He's Exorcist a 3. Guy of some kind. <laughs> yeah, some people love Exorcist 3 more. It's one of those big critical reappraisal ones where people are like, I like it's the third one the more than the first. One. And I'm like, I understand that in a lot of ways it, it it's excellent and not as there's like a simple and feels fresher. Yeah, there's a simple effectiveness to the original, whereas this one has like a more like, you know, complex plot and like some more interesting ideas, but feels a bit messier in ways. Anyway, Brad Dourif, his role is essentially him possessed playing a character, part of his possession is that he's a character that was in the first movie. He films his Pazuzu? role. Uh, and <laughs> Father Father Karras, oh, right? Karis, Father yeah. Karras from the first film. He goes... I just love that the demon called Pazuzu. Pazuzu is such a bad name for a demon. He goes back home and gets called by the director being like, "We, the studio wants us to refilm it <gasps> with you doing the, the part of... Um, Father Karras just like through you as opposed to having the actor do it or the actor of Father Karras do it on set like they want something like that they want mm. to get more of him that I'm probably paraphrasing a lot of that but essentially he was like to prepare for this role I locked myself in a hotel room for like a week in study and preparation and I had like a notebook and stuff I'd have to do that whole process again you're just wiping my whole performance and he, that's what he did. Can you imagine he giving your it heart again. to a really dark role like that, then having to do it all over again? Oh, buddy. And giving a performance that's so iconic that now, decades later, it's on <laughs> Twin Peaks. It's Maybe good some of the, we talk about. the anger at having to do that. what feel the performance. through, literally, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, that's my Brad Dourif love. I'm really glad we talked about him as the general yes. actor because you, you start talking about him. So. I don't know. I don't have that much more to say about it. But just, like, it's crazy how much the movie trusts him to carry it like it's long monologues like to introduce a big a bit role long, at maybe. that end like a bit too much yeah but the fact that the movie is like we know he can do this and it's like yeah like you said giving him more to do mm. it's like it's that good <laughs> and that laid into the game of it as well very very impressive totally ah, do you have another one to wrap up i feel like we shouldn't go on too much more do you have <laughs> i have so many i'm gonna do a little okay. i'm gonna do a little speed run and then I'm going to end with one okay. that I thought was worth saying. This is a real speed run, okay? Okay. I'm going to wax them out, okay? Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide Wilson slash Red in Us. My favourite performance of what year, whatever year Yeah, that you was. brought that up on the podcast. We talked about that. Astounding performance. Absolutely adore it. Tony Collette in Hereditary. We all know and love that performance. Um, it's been talked about a lot so imp- like wild that she almost she was like I don't want to do another dramatic film and then we thank god she did she like didn't want to do another bleak role but clearly thank she's you. too good at them so she's going to keep getting them I wanted to throw out an amazing Australian performance of like a great survivor uh, like a survivor role that I've always like the person who gets through that really sticks out <laughs> to me that I, I bring up all the time is Ryan Core oh. as Paul Hammer Smith in Wolf Creek 2, he's like a British... Meg met him in an airport one time and said he was lovely. There you go. There you go. It's it's a, it's a essentially like that movie is kind of like Wake and Fright as a horror movie. Yeah. And it's... She, I, I just think he's so astounding in that in the role of playing the guy opposite this absolute freak, terrifying <laughs> guy of um, Mick. I thought you were going to say two similar final girl ones who are both Australian. Shani Vincent in You're Next and Samara Weaving in Ready or Not. Oh, yeah, we, love we, them covered, both. we did Ready or Not in an episode ages ago. Oh, they're but, so, so yeah. great. Um, I would be an absolute fool if I did not mention one of the greatest side character performances of them all. Maddie Lil as Stu in Scream has to be said. Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, who's Maddie Lil? Who's Maddie Lil? <laughs> Matthew Lillard <laughs> as Stu, a performance and an actor that gets a lot of a deserved attention now these days. Gen Just, Z is, like, giving him his flowers. As he should be. <laughs> like, imagine getting the script and you make that out of it. It's just so astoundingly good. Um, I feel so bad. I have three more to say quickly. Is that bad? I will get them out. I'll be really good, okay? 
Barbara Hershey as Carla Moran in The Entity for doing a very oh. difficult performance. Like if we talk about horror reflecting very terrifying real world ideas, this is Barbara Hershey playing a woman who essentially is being raped by a ghost. Like at any time, at any moment, she's like cooking dinner for her kids. She's like, you know, going Based for a walk. Based on a real like Based on a real story case, about this woman whatever. who's like I essentially would just at random intervals be violently molested um and it's a very difficult film and the kind of version of horror where you go like yeah that's where some people go okay i understand that art is here to tell all these stories but like is it like art should be able to tell you know the wide capacity of horrors we can say but i don't necessarily want to watch that which is a mm-hmm. thing you can say about that film all i can say is i think it's really respectfully told and that's mostly because her character is so centered in it and I my heart breaks for that character and I think she's incredible for taking that on. Got two more. Candace Hilligigos as Mary Henry in Carnival of Souls, which is one of my faves. I watched it last year in lockdown ah, and then watched it again like a week later. I, I just find it such a good, like, not folly to the fears, but again, we talk about like, some performances being about the horror, the one perpetrating it, and then some being about what is it being the receiving end. Mm. And I think as someone really trying to like restart their life and move past a terrifying incident and feel as though nothing's, everything's okay, everything's as it's supposed to be, and to mm. slowly be like seeing the cracks, um, it actually really does stick out to me in those like kind of, in the idea of like older horror especially yeah. for like an independent very cheap horror film at the time it feels very modern though like it's yeah that's because uh, it's so simple and minimalistic like exactly it's a movie that still gets referenced and yeah i just think it's a one that i really remember being like oh when i was scared i was also scared for you i was Aww. scared for what was happening to you and my final one and i will shut up now but you can't have done a horror <laughs> episode and expected me to just rattle off a few i needed to get get in yeah. there is a I'm probably underprepared, if anything. <laughs> no, not at all. An iconic Australian horror film that the more I grew up, the more I'm like, that's actually a really foundational film for me. The Loved Ones. And oh. I'm talking about Robin McLeavy as Lola, Princess Stone, um, which is such an, like, as an actor, it would be so fun to sink your teeth into the role of, like, you know, a, a woman who just isn't like a young girl that's not willing to let yeah. a boy go. She kidnaps a young man and <laughs> with her dad and holds a like evil, like fake prom at her house out in the outback just to torture him. Um, and it's just the most fully realized character. Like as a performance, you just fully see how this child would feel so entitled as to be like, daddy, I want that one. And then like... <laughs> She's so obsessed with him and it's so creepy. It is an astounding film. Yeah. Yeah. That's my like 48 (laughs) performances. Thank you for indulging me. If if you could choose, if someone gave you all of these roles, would you want to be, would you want to be like the final girl? Would you want to be the like best friend? Yeah. Would you want to get a really good death scene? Would you want to be the villain, the killer? What? Look, I look at like a Ryan Core and Wolf Creek 2 and go, the idea of doing that that well is really intimidating. Being the victim. So it's a no for me. Running away and stuff. Yeah. Even like a, I haven't mentioned my queen, Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, because that's a given. Um, Goes without saying. Maybe it's a, um, maybe it is a, maybe it's like a Maddie Lil as Stew and Scream to be like mm. the side character Not that gets to make a really baddie. big, brave choice in a thing. I reckon. Yeah. How about you? I think I would want to be in like, um, I want to be like a sexy camper that gets murdered or something probably. <laughs> or like, but maybe someone who like the audience wants to die. Like, um, or, oh, yeah. or in, um, Fright Night, you know, his friend. He's really annoying. He's like, oh, you're so cool. And so I want to be like an annoying side character like that where what? everyone's like, yes, get it. <laughs> die, like, die, get die. Die. What kind of horror trope of like evil the character? Kind <laughs> <laughs> of evil Eliza. Evil Eliza. So you reckon like in the terms of like if you're talking about the context of like a camp slasher, like a Friday the 13th, the one you would most want to be is like, the dumb stoner like, boy who doesn't have a girlfriend. Mm. It's like, oh man, everyone's hooking up without me or something, you know, <laughs> that one. 
No, but I want to be the no. I want to be like the bully girl who's mean to people and is like, "Come on, pick up the dinner and stuff." And then I like yeah. my boyfriend like wants to meet me in the woods and I just get murdered or something. Totally, That'd be cool. Anthony. How Someone about you? Someone that you want to die. Wow, um, <laughs> so many choices <laughs> of like a role to play. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Haven't acted in a while. Um, <laughs> you did a great job at the start of the episode. You did. <laughs> you did a great job for about half a second, and then I Exploded. absolutely fucked it. <laughs> Um, uh, I think I could do, I think I could actually do like a very good, like psychotic killer. Ooh. Uh, like Fuck yeah. yeah, you're very serene, and that would be like <gasps> chilling in the. I right think you'd context. do a good like Norman Bates esque kind of thing, mm. Mm, right? Like yeah, it, it, I'm pretty like composed. That's what I mean. It's the tempered, time and, and then it can explode. Mm, I'd yeah. love to say that. Oh, that's dope. What's your weapon? A of sound choice? man who gets My fucked weapon over of by choice. <laughs> a sound cannon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The boom. Use the boom has a knife in it. It has like a little thing in it. The boom has a knife in it, and you get yeah. the sound department gets gets fucked over one last time. You I get record- asked to move your boom one last time, and you snap. <laughs> My God, I've been outed. Um, <laughs> I like record podcasts, and I set up microphones, but they're actually little like vacuums, and they like suck your face into oh. the microphone. <laughs> Killer, like Final Destination style sort of thing. Oh, that's amazing! Wow. Mm. Yeah, we should have said the best elaborate. performance of all: death in all of these films. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, death was very consistent. Yeah, really consistent in claiming lives. Stunning. Did you get your full <laughs> list out, Eliza? Hey, did I, you have more than that? Yeah, but mine are, mine are all normy ones. You had good ones that are like from. Did I? Movies. I had some normy ones. I just wanted to tick off saying like. But they're ones we've spoke about before. Like we already did get out to say Daniel yeah. Kaluuya is like incredible in that. Mm. I feel like I'm ha- glad that our list has effectively reflected the idea that like a great horror performance is sometimes like the person on the other end as well. You I know? think most of them are. Because horror lists like are always just like Robert England as Freddy. Like Which, yeah, they're great. Ash as, you know, mm. in Evil Dead. And all those things are great, exactly. But like generally what's amazing me in a horror film, what's selling it is a big one for me is like whether people are just like, ah, like screaming <laughs> or whether people are like, gutturally terrified embodied yeah, terrified because i'm like that's not what like if i was actually scared it would be a lot of just being like good god i want to be dead right now like i do not <laughs> want to be- you know those moments you're like as if this is my reality i want to see that when people are scared not just being like ah. saying that as i think chased like as if this is my reality <laughs> so running around is like this is not how i wanted this to be <laughs> like, this is like back to Psycho again. I remember you saying when you were little, what scared you was not the skeleton or Norman Bates or blah, blah, blah. It was a woman screaming. Like it's her reaction so and her fear. That the big my <laughs> voice gutturally screaming was uh, the the sister, what's her name, Marion's sister, going into the basement Mm. and just being like, I really don't want you to turn the chair, the chair that the grandma's yeah. corpse is in. And be like, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. She turned the chair and then it's her reaching for her face mm. and no scream, like no scream coming out for a second. And then and just at that moment, Norman Bates comes out. Like as I describe it, I'm like the beauty of horror is like the upping, the upping, the upping, yeah. like the thing, the, then the next thing, then the next Absolutely. thing. So scary. But then, yeah, I would sit in bed. But and in what between I would all see, those moments. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I would sit in bed and what would scare me is the image of in my door frame, Marion Crane's face when she go like when in the shower scene when she screams, like popping out yeah, in the door. So For some reason in like a like, cardboard that's... cutout, like just like sliding out so of the not door. Her herself. <laughs> Like, because it's thin enough to poke through the door. Yeah, I don't know that it would like. I, I'm doing. I'm doing a sharp cutting motion with my hand that you she can't see. That she would like room. pop out in the out of the door frame and just really scare me. Damn. I don't know. Psycho was it, man. Wonderful. I reckon Psycho and the Loved Ones. They're like my big early day ones. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's great in Loved Ones. And why isn't she in more stuff? Robin, yeah. come on. That director is so good as well. Like, mm. I'm keen for their next shit. Like, The Devil's Candy was great, but have they done anything else? Yeah. Need to look into it. I don't know. Love it. Um, sorry, Anthony. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. I was just going to throw uh, one into yes, the ring for yes, my, yes. like, very limited vocabulary of horror films, um, which is, like, one of the small handful of films that I've, like, managed to sit through, <laughs> is um, uh, Tilda Swinton and We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh, yeah. Mm. I was looking up that 
um, clips from that movie the other day. I think about it a fair bit. Yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, I've seen it. I've seen oh, it. I yeah. just like, yeah. It's one that like arrives in my brain a lot. And then I'm like, I kind of for some reason just want to like look at shots from this film and like look, mm. look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Just the sense of like consistent tension in that is like you're talking about the whole mm. like upping and upping thing. And like that definitely happens. Like things escalate. But yeah, the sort of like unpredictability of like how things escalate and that and stuff and her just sort of like the complexity of being someone who is so terrified of someone that like, I guess similar yeah. thing to the shining, like being so terrified of someone that you're meant, meant to yeah. love mm. and like that is meant to reciprocally like respect mm. your life. Yeah. And that like, it's so jarring to like, see mm. a, like once a relationship that one sided, like mm. a, totally, a like yeah. completely blank son who has like absolutely like no emotion and stuff like that and wants to just like cause harm for the sake of it and stuff and yeah anyway i'm really stuck with me for ages that's a great choice i'm really due for a a rewatch of it but what makes me like marvel at that performance definitely is like i find the title of that movie interesting that's we need to talk about kevin because like what i think about with that film is like just all the things that aren't being said. Like, it's just this idea that, like, the guilt that she has for the way she feels about her child from day one Mm. means that it always looks like she's just stewing in her hatred for herself for not loving her child. And then throughout the span of the film, or, like, for however she feels towards her child, and the nature of being like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on with, like, Mm. He, like what is happening here how am i contributing to it and every moment i don't know the answer to that it gets worse and then like for the worst case scenario to happen like exactly. her nightmare that she would have had the whole time exactly it just like, like she just exists in that knowledge so constantly and the idea mm. of that film being that like he left her alive for a reason Ugh. like that Ugh. is so scary yes yeah. Ugh, astounding you see lynn ramsey is making um a stephen king book it's making the girl who loves Tom, Tom Gordon. Yeah, my name yeah. <laughs> I have yeah, it, but I need to read it. it. Um, but I'm so excited. What a great yeah. director. Oh. oh, stunning. Well, I feel like I just got to like frolic, you know, field of daisies <laughs> for an hour or whatever it was. This is my dream. Um, Blood soaked. Like in daisies. Midsummer. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> just like in Midsummer. Another round of No, we have to stop. We, have to we stop. must. We actually we're, must. I can go we forever. actually don't because next week we're continuing to talk about fun, horror, shenanigans. Oh, yeah, Ow. we are. That's right. What are we talking about, we're gonna little be buddy? We're going to be having a howling good time looking at <laughs> Werewolves Within, which should still be in cinemas, and... The beast must die. It just Both, must. It's gotta. It has to. Gonna, we need to talk about this beast that Let's must kill die. It. it must and die. And Kevin mm. must die. In which, <laughs> so tune in next week to hear us talk about um, the werewolf break. Ooh. Is that what it's called? Oh, my God, yes. This movie has a werewolf break. And you will find out what that is next <gasps> week. I promise you want to tune in. It's really, really entertaining. And I'll be disappointed if Werewolves Within doesn't have one as well. Yeah. So that's it, next it week. <laughs> great um you, you can contact us at if you'd like to at twin podcast at gmail.com yeah follow us on the socials like facebook our instagram we have polls where we get your opinion on which of the picks so we'll ask for some of your favorite horror performances yes. this week um and also you can send us your questions we want to get some questions from you guys that we can chat about on the podcast as well woohoo is that all for today? Anything else? That's it. We've also got our link to buy me a coffee below. So if we, we do, mention yeah. any of your fave horror performances that you were hoping would bring up, why not send us a link? Compensate us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So That's we have it. a link tree on all our socials as well that connects you to all of those wonderful things. Yeah. And we'll see you next week for some wolf action. <laughs> not lava action. Maybe lava action. Maybe that's what the wolf break wow. is. You'll have to wait that's and see. That's definitely an asylum movie, like Lava Wolves. Lava Wolves has to be. We can make it happen, surely. Write that script, please. <sighs> Off you go. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I ended Back with, to be yeah. scared. Like, can you do your E-E-E? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a scary door. <laughs> the scary door. <laughs> <laughs>